What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Life with Libby. I am so dang happy to have y'all here. Um, I know that I have not posted an episode in like two weeks. Uh, last week, I was in Nashville for a work conference, and it was absolutely incredible. Nashville is amazing. Um, and then the week before that, I was just like, I I need a break. Like, I just needed some me time. So um, I'm so happy to be back here with y'all today. Um, this episode is going to be very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm going to get incredibly vulnerable with y'all. Um, I also would like to point out that I today is hair wash day, so hang with me. Like, this is atrocious, and I'm so sorry. Um, it's, like, incredibly greasy. There's a lot of dry shampoo. Like, it needs a good scrub and a good wash. So just, like, give me some grace, okay? It is what it is. Um, but new Target tank. We love this. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it because usually I try to keep my episodes... 15 minutes long so that I can end up posting them to my IGTV. I think this one might run a little bit long just because there is a lot of details to the story and I want to make sure that y'all hear my heart and y'all see where I'm coming from um, because that's important to me. Um, So this week was my five-year anniversary of being out of the psych unit for attempted suicide and severe bulimia. And I know that that's really heavy to get into a minute and 32 seconds into an episode. But um, I always think that it's later in the fall because um, seasonal depression always used to hit me really, really hard in the fall. But it was actually September um, when I was in the psych unit. So I don't share this a ton that I was suicidal at that point in my life. um, But that actually wasn't my first suicide attempt. Um, I had attempted to commit suicide my sophomore year of high school as well. I don't share that a ton, um, the one about my sophomore year. I've talked about being in a psych unit five years ago. I do share that one a lot, and I'm going to go into a lot of details about that today, so I'm just going to lay it all out for y'all. So, um, five years ago in August, um, one of my best friends committed suicide. And I remember the day that I got the call. I remember exactly where I was. Um, And it was the most heartbreaking thing that I had felt. And I remember feeling so lost and so helpless and so confused. And I was, I didn't, I didn't understand why. Uh, I knew that God had a plan. Um, It subconsciously, I knew that um, because I wasn't really big into my faith then. Like, I wasn't an atheist like I was in high school because I was an atheist all through high school. At this point in my life, I knew that there was a God. I just wasn't, we weren't close yet. Like, Jesus and I weren't close like we are now. Like, Jesus and I are super, super close now. Um, Anyway, so it was August of 2016 that one of my best friends committed suicide and my world crumbled. And I pretended like I was fine. And then um, fall hit and I suddenly was not okay. And I was working a lot. I was working a lot. Um, I actually got incredibly taken advantage of at my job. Um, I, I, I'm just going to say I worked at Planet Fitness at the time and at the time there was night shift people who wouldn't show up for their shift. So I usually worked the three to 10 shift and when people wouldn't show up, I would have to stay. Um, that was expected of me, um, to stay because I didn't know how to say no. I thought that that's what you were supposed to do, um, is to stay. That's actually bullshit and you're not supposed to do that. Um, boundaries is something that I've learned. Um, 
but yeah, so I worked all the time. I was absolutely overworked um, and underappreciated. I look at that now. Um, but my eating disorder also thrived in those conditions because I was so worn down on sleep and working at a gym, I had to like, I felt like I had to keep up with this image. I had no idea what I was doing at that time in my life. Like I was doing the same workout every day. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. Um, and I also didn't know what foods to eat to nourish my body. Um, and then the bulimia kicked in. And for me, a lot of people, um, look at, I've talked, Carly, or Carly, (laughs) Carrie and I talked about an episode uh, on an episode a few weeks ago about eating disorders. And, um, I talked that my bulimia wasn't to make me skinny, right? That's not why I threw up. I threw up because I had all of these issues and all of these internal feelings and all of this anxiety and throwing up somehow made me feel better. Like I would eat and then I would throw everything up and to me all of my problems were there in the toilet and I could just flush them and they were gone and I didn't have to deal with them anymore. I didn't have to deal with the pain of Cena being gone. I didn't have to deal with the pain of not being close with either of my parents. I didn't have to deal with the pain of, like, all of the things that were going on in my life. I didn't have to deal with them. I would just mask them. And nobody had any idea that this was going on. Um, like, I didn't tell anybody about this because it was embarrassing for me. Because, come to find out, like, I've learned this now in the past five years. I don't know if y'all are, like, big in the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram 3, so I'm an achiever. So, to me, my self-worth is tied to the things that I achieve. I know that that's not true, but, like, that's what an unhealthy version of me looks like. So, I didn't want anybody to know that I was struggling because I honestly didn't see a problem with it. I was like, well, like, I'm dealing with it fine. Like, I'm not sick. Everything's fine. And that went on for, like, months. Like, I remember very vividly I would get up, go to work. I would get a strawberry banana smoothie and a blueberry muffin from Tim Hortons and I would eat it and drink it, and when it was gone, I would go and throw it up. It was just, like, part of my routine, and it it was just so easy for me. Like, I got, I didn't see, like I said, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I just got into the routine of doing this, and then the suicidal thoughts started to come, and at first, they were, like, very subtle. Like, I would be in the car, and it's like, girl, you know, you could just, like, like, go off, go off the road. How, you don't have to hit that tree very hard. So then I would start, on my way to work, I would start to really think, like, well, how hard would I really need to hit that tree? I don't want to be a vegetable. I want to be done. Like, I don't want there to be any room for error. Like, if I'm going to do this, I need to figure out how hard I need to be driving my car on the highway. And there was a tree that I would pass every single day and be like, how hard would I have to hit that tree just for this to be done? I just want to be done. And I thought that that was normal. And the wild thing is, a lot of people think that suicidal people are sad and mopey all the time. No. I was, like, happy-go-lucky, like, Libby, like, blah, 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 like, all the time. I was so high energy. I was so all the things. But I literally wanted to die. I was like, I'm good. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I I don't want to do this anymore. Where's Cena? I want to be with Cena. Like, I want this to be over. So... I went months and months and months of trying to, like, calculate, like, how hard do I need to hit that tree? Like, does it need to be 60 miles? Does it need to be 70 miles an hour? Like, 75, 77? Like, what do I got to do? Like, what conditions do this need to be to where I hit the, and does it need to be head on or do I need to slide? Like, these were things that I thought about 
in deep detail. And then it was, um, well, what if I would just like hang myself? That was a thought that I had too. Just like in the bathroom shower curtain, nobody would ever know. Like, I don't know. Like, how would, how would this happen? And then I started to get really weak. Like, the eating disorder finally caught up with me. The lack of sleep finally caught up with me. The lack of nutrition finally caught up with me. Now, mind you, because this is important, at the time, I was on the highest dose that I could be of my antidepressant and my anxiety medication. I was fully medicated, okay? I was fully medicated. I was taking my meds. I was doing the things. Oops, I just hit my microphone. It's fine. I was doing all the things, but I wasn't taking care of me. I wasn't deeply rooted in my faith. Like I said, I had just started to get back into it. I knew that there was a God, but we weren't close. And so all of these things were going on, and finally my body was like, girl, something needs to happen. I'm like, all right, you're right. I'm done. Let's tap out. Let's be done. And I remember... I remember driving to work that day and I went to go and there was a semi in my way. I had planned it out that was going to be my day and I went to go switch lanes so I could go to the tree, right? This tree that I had mapped out for a really long time and there was a semi and I missed it. I wasn't able to get over in time and the tree passed. And I remember I got to work and I had my smoothie and my muffin and I threw up and I just threw up and then I was like I just don't want to be here anymore I don't I don't want to do this and it was like I got hit in the head and like something I didn't really get hit in the head but it was like something came over me and was like hey what are you doing something's got to give And I remember being like, oh my gosh, like, no, like, I don't want to die. I need help. I need help. I need a lot of help. And so I called my friend. I went home from work. I, like, finished out my shift because I will never not show up where I'm needed. um, Ever. I will always show up. Um, I went home. I called my friend. I said, hey, I've packed a bag. I need you to take me to the psych unit right now. And she was like, what? She's like, oh, okay, I'm coming. I'm like, come pick me up at my apartment because I can't trust myself to drive. Like, I, I'm not to be trusted. Like, no, come pick me up. Take me there. Do not call my mom. Like, don't call my mom until after I'm in. Okay? Okay. So we end up, um, there was a little detour that happened, and I don't, I don't really want to share that part of it. Um, but... I ended up going to the psych unit, and when you get there, they take your belongings, right? They take everything. Um, They put me in a gown, and I had been in a gown before. A gown was not new to me. Hospitals were not new to me. But there is something about watching a police officer search through your bag to make sure that there is nothing in there that's going to harm you. I mean, you don't get to keep your shit regardless. They take it from you. But I sat there in that, in that hospital bed, in my gown, where I had been before, right? Because I'd had surgeries at this point. This was after all of my surgeries. 
and I watch the police officer go through all my belongings and pull all my stuff out and to an outsider it looked like my life was fine. I had my cute planner, I had my pens, I had all my shit together, right? But on the inside, I was crumbling. And the nurse came in and she said, Honey, what's going on what's going on? I was like, honestly I don't want to be here anymore. Like I need help. I like re- I really just want to die. And I remember that nurse's face. Like I can remember her very vividly. And I wish that I could hug her. She said, "You're not gonna die. You're gonna live a great life. We're gonna get you the help that you need." And I said, "Okay." So, I um, I was sitting there, and then I remember a couple hours later, you like, they, they've got you back in your waiting room, and you gotta you gotta talk to all these doctors and. Tell him over and over again. And finally, I was like, actually, I'm good. Can I go home? I don't actually want to die. I'm sorry. Like, I'm good. And the doctor was like, no, you can't leave. I said, why not? She said, because you need help. We're going to get you the help that you need. I said, no, no, no. You don't understand. I'm fine. I'm just dramatic. Can I please go home? She said, honey, I can't do that. I said, well, can I, like, what do I got to do? Like, what do I got to show you that I'm, like, good to go home? Because at that point, I was embarrassed. Like, I was like, no, 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 like, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. I will figure this shit out by myself. Because that's what I'm good at, right? Figure this shit out by myself. So, she was like, no, you can't go home. And I, honestly, I didn't know what to expect when I called my friend and said, hey, take me to the psych unit. Like, I thought that I was just going to be evaluated and they were just going to up my meds because that's what we've always done. Just up the meds, up the meds, up the meds. Here, here's another prescription. Here's this, here's that. And I was like, okay. That's just kind of what I thought was going to happen. That is not what happened. I ended up being admitted to the psych unit. And it's funny, but not like... So, in my family, my mom and I will say, it's funny, but not like, haha, funny. So, my stepmom is, at the time, was a nurse in the psych unit at U of M. So, I had to go to St. Joe because it would have been a family, like, clash. I don't, I don't know what the proper word or proper term for that is. So, I had to be at St. Joe. So, I was at St. Joe um, because my stepmom was a nurse at the psych unit at U of M. Um, so, I ended up getting admitted and on one like it's it was a big building in the middle of it there were like um session rooms where you would go to like talk to a counselor things like that um and then on both sides of that um like this wing over here were um like people with schizophrenia and things like that okay and then the other side was for um like suicidal patients eating disorder patients like all of like we were on this side And so I remember walking in, and this is, I say this with, like, grace and heart, and this is not supposed to be directed in in any poor term. But I remember walking in, and I saw these people with, like, serious issues, like, talking to a wall, thinking they're having a conversation with a human. I was like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, where am I? Like, Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, like, where the fuck am I? What is going on right now? And they admitted me and they put you in this room and I finally got my clothes back because they had stripped them all but um they take the strings and stuff out assholes I could have done some really good things with 
Could have taken shit care of shit myself if they would have just left the fucking strings in. But no, they take the strings out of your sweatshirts and your sweatpants and they give you like a pair of socks, which if you stay in the, any, the blue socks with the rubber bottoms, like they're hospital socks. It is what it is. I have a couple pairs of them from surgeries and from my stay at the psych unit. It's fine. So I got admitted and I remember laying in my room because I had my own room, and I was like, what the actual fuck? How did I get here? I don't have anything. I don't have my phone. I don't have any of my things. Like, nothing. I have nothing other than the sweatpants and the sweatshirt that I came in because they were still searching through all my other shit. And so I went to bed that night, and um, at that time I was really, really... I say the bulimia didn't have anything to do with my weight, but subconsciously it did because I was weighing myself all the time. So I remember I, before I went to bed, I went to go weigh myself. There was a scale like right outside my room and I weighed myself and I was like 102 pounds. Now to give you some perspective, please hold. I am currently 140 pounds. Okay. Imagine this minus 40 pounds. I was literally, like, this big, no muscle, somehow, I, right, wild, okay? Um, sorry, I just felt like that was a good visual, like, for people to understand. So I'm, right now, I'm 5'1", 140, and then I was 5'1", because I didn't cry, I haven't grown in forever, um, 102. And I remember sitting there and looking at my scale, and I was like, fuck, I was mad. I was mad that I wasn't 100 pounds. And there was a lady um, who was admitted a couple... She was a couple rooms down from me. And she said, oh, are you anorexic or bulimic? And I was like, oh. I was like, bulimic. She's like, anorexic. And it was like a bond that we formed. And she was like, I have like a compulsive behavior of weighing myself too. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, it's not a compulsive behavior. She's like okay. And she was like, oh, do you, like, not usually weigh yourself? I'm like, no, I do, like, multiple times a day. And she, like, saw me, like, realize that this was an issue, and I was like, oh. I was like, but it's not that bad. And I was convincing myself that this eating disorder that I had really wasn't that bad. Sorry, this hair is really greasy, and I, like, need to, like, brush this really quick. Okay, that makes me feel better a little bit. Not really, but it's fine. Sorry, that was, like, really, truly, like, bothering me. It's all I could look at was this greasy piece of hair. Oh, I need to take a shower so bad. Anyway, so this girl and I completely bonded over our eating disorders. And I remember um, I went to bed that night and I was like, oh, this is serious. And I just kind of, like, laid in my bed and I'm like, how long am I going to be here? Like, I want to go back and I want to sleep on my bed. Like, how long am I really, truly going to be here? And, um... The next morning, I woke up, and I met with one of the nurses, and she brought me my meds, because we had upped them, um, and she was like, have you had breakfast yet? I said, no, I'm not really hungry. She said, you have to eat, or you're gonna be here longer. I'm like, mm, okay, and she's like, and after you eat, you can't shut your door. I was like, oh. I was like, is it like that for everybody? She's like, um, for some for some patients, I'm like, so really it's just for those of us who throw up after we eat. And she laughed, and she's like, yeah. Um, and so 
the days felt so long. And um, we had, like, sessions, and we had group sessions, and we had therapy sessions, and I met with a therapist one-on-one, and we kind of figured out, like, the root cause of what was going on, and I don't want to talk about the root cause of what was going on because it's still an issue. Um, I just know how to handle it better now. Um, But I remember my mom came to see me, and I haven't shared this with y'all, but after or before my second surgery, when they were wheeling me down the hall, I was crying to my mom, do not let them take me. Like, I don't want to do this. I want to go home. Do not let them take me. Okay. So that was a couple years prior to this. My mom came to visit me when I was in the psych unit. I said, you have to take me home. Like, bust me out of this place. I don't know what we have to do, but like, get me the fuck out of here. And it was like the hardest thing that my mom had to do was she had to leave me there. And she said, baby, I can't take you with me. You have to stay here. And I said, no, no, no. I'm not crazy. These people are crazy. Take me home. Like, take me home right now. And I remember watching her walk away down the hallway. And I felt so lost. Because I didn't know how I had got here. Right? I had been through so much worse. I had my face cut open, for God's sakes. I had a muscle taken from the inside of my thigh and put in my face. I had a nerve, like, I'd gone through all this shit as a little girl. Like, why at 19 was I in a psych unit? Because I decided that I wanted to die and I wanted to throw up all my food. Like, how did I get here? And so I went through the treatment and I was there for a couple days. And we had, like, an outpatient thing that I had to go through. And my time there was necessary. Because then I, I came home... And I moved back in with my mom. I still wasn't okay. Um, But then... I remember thinking to myself, I was taking my meds one morning, I was like, there's gotta be something else. There's gotta be something else. And I'm not telling y'all that there's not a time and a place for meds. Because there absolutely is. However... I remember taking my meds every morning, and then one morning I was standing in line at CVS getting my script filled. I'm like, I cannot fucking live my life like this every day. I don't want to take pills to be normal. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. There has to be something else. There's got to be something else. And then that's when Plexus came into my life. And if y'all aren't familiar, Plexus is a gut health company that I have been with for almost five years. It'll be five years in April. And Plexus came into my life, and I started on the products, and um, so I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm going to tell you this. 90% of your serotonin levels, your happy hormones, are stored in your gut, okay? If your gut health is a mess, you're going to be a mess. You need to take a probiotic, a high-quality probiotic, not the one off the shelf at Walmart. That's a whole nother episode. But I started on these products... Because my mom's friend, Lee, who's a nurse, introduced them to me, and I trusted her. She was a nurse, right? And I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. After being on the products for nine months, I was able to come off of all prescription medications, and I haven't been on any meds since. This is not to say that there's not a time and a place for meds, but your health does not need to be you constantly filling a prescription bottle. I am the happiest version of me that I have ever been, and I'm going to tell you why. One, because I take care of my health and I take care of my body. I'm conscious of what I put into my body, and I'm conscious of my mental health. 
I, last year, was struggling really bad. Like, I was struggling. It was six months post-breakup, and I'm like, holy fuck, this really is my life. I walked away from my house. I walked away from a man that I thought I was going to marry. Like, I went through a whole fertility journey, and this is where my fucking life is. Are you kidding me? I don't remember much of January, February, March last year because I was so lost in such a dark place, but I knew that I would get through it. And it didn't last forever, right? These seasons don't last forever, but the more that I poured into myself and I dug into the word of God and I poured into myself and I sat there in my sadness, I think so many people mask their sadness. Babe, sit there, ugly cry, feel the pain, because if I wouldn't felt that pain, however many months ago that was, I wouldn't be where I'm in now. I used to have... When I was in this psych unit five years ago, I was having three to five panic attacks a week. A week. And these were not like heart racing, like, oh my gosh. No, no, no. These were full-fledged, dry heaving, full-on sweat, like body shaking the whole nine yards. I was hooked up to like monitors when I was in the psych unit. And they said that the amount of energy that my panic attacks took were equivalent to running a half marathon. Could you imagine running a half marathon three to five times a week while you're throwing up all of your food? No wonder my body was exhausted. No wonder, right? But now I can see the signs and I think it's okay for you to realize like, hey, I'm not doing okay. And I open that can of worms and when I'm like, I'm not okay, let's figure out why I'm not okay. And it was hard to realize why I was not okay six months ago, but now I'm good. Now I'm good. And I'm so glad that I didn't hit that tree five years ago because God's plan for my life is so much bigger than anything I could have ever dreamed of. And God's plan for your life is so much bigger than you can dream right now. Start showing up for you. Face your demons. Face them. Do not run from them. I was running from my issues five years ago. I wanted to pretend like Cena dying didn't bother me. I pretended like my issues with my dad didn't bother me. I pretended like my issues with my mom didn't bother me. And I was like, I can do this all by myself. No, bitch, you can't. You can't. You need to face these problems, figure out what's going on, and learn from them. I, I'll be completely transparent with y'all. I went a really long time without having a panic attack, and then... The bombings in Afghanistan happened a month and a half ago, right? A couple weeks ago, a month ago. That shook me to my core. I I had a panic attack because whatever. I'm not ready to share that yet. Um, But I had a panic attack then, and that was the first one that I had had in months. And that was because something externally was going on. And by the time, like, the bombings happened on Thursday... I got an email that everything was fine on Thursday, and I didn't get my panic attack until Saturday, but that that energy and that, like, pent-up feeling that I had had to get out. So it got out, and it, the panic attack didn't last long, and I didn't go into a spiral after because I knew I was having it. I was like, well, yeah, like, I heard he's safe, like, it's fine, like, you're good, like, it's, everything's good. Um, so everything is, is fine, but I, like, really, truly, all like, there is nothing wrong with being in a dark place, let the people around you know, like, hey, I'm struggling. I don't know what I need from you, but I'm struggling. Know yourself, 
well enough to know what your triggers are. That was something that was hard for me. So I would get my panic attacks in the middle of the night. They would wake me up from my sleep because I would be having nightmares and night terrors. So I wasn't exactly sure what my trigger is. But once I figured out my trigger, everything else made sense. And take care of your body. Like, my morning routine is to keep my mental health in check. Like, if you need to be journaling, you need to be, if you're a religious person, spend time with God first thing in the morning. If you're not a religious person, meditate. Do whatever you need to do to get this okay before you pick up your phone. Before you pick up your phone. If you are somebody who is struggling with anxiety and depression and imposter syndrome, like, all the things, if you are struggling with those things, you need to get, like, your daily routine on first. Stop checking your phone when you first wake up. Stop doing that shit. You're setting yourself up for failure. Grab your journal. I don't care if you sit your happy ass in your bed. I go to my couch. I get up. I make my coffee. I do the dishes from the night before. I go and make my bed. I grab my water and my phone. I set my phone face down over here on my counter, and then I go and I sit on my couch with my coffee. I drink my coffee. And I don't touch my phone until I've done all of those things. Because if I touch my phone and I see something that I'm not ready for, I have no idea what the rest of my day and what my mood is going to be like. You have to pour into yourself first before you start checking and seeing what other people are doing. Because you're going to start comparing your life to what theirs is, and that's crap. Stop doing that to yourself. Stop doing that. So. So much for my 15-minute episode. We're half an hour in. Um, But I just felt like it was really important to tell y'all... that's a a short version of my, um, story with, um, suicidal thoughts and attempted suicide and severe bulimia, and, yeah, this was a good episode. I'm, I, I hope that y'all enjoy this, and I hope that y'all are able to take something from it. If y'all have any questions or, like, need help on the morning routine or, like, how I was able to come off a prescription medication, I am here for you. I'm 110% here from you. If you need anything, reach out to me. Like, I'm always here. I will answer any questions that you have if I have the answer to. If I don't, I will send you on to somebody who does. But you're worth it. God has a plan for you in your life. And I love you so much. And I will see y'all next week. Bye, y'all.